If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Well, let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Ephesians. We're going to jump back in our series on Ephesians. I hope this has been a blessing, as much blessing to you as it is to me, because it thoroughly blesses me. The more I study this book out, the more enthralled I get with it, and um, I get challenged continually by these, especially these prison epistles, Galatians, Ephesians, and Philippians, and Colossians, because there's so much in them, and I want to do them justice. And there's no way that we really can do them justice, because, you know, <clears throat> you just have to come back and, and see them again. How many of you found that you can read a scripture 25 times, and the 26th time you find something new? Even though you, know, you seem to, to know so much about it already, but the more you dig, the Bible says that he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him, and God is so deep. The Spirit searches the deep things of God. And as we give our time, give our, our focus and attention to the Word of God, God reveals things to us. And, and the, you know, God, like I've, I've continued to say to all of us, that God is not a concealer. He is a revealer. He wants to reveal his heart to us. He wants to reveal who he is to us so that we can understand him. He really does want us to understand him because he longs to have relationship with us. He longs to commune with it. He did. He went to the greatest depths that anybody could go in love for us, that any man could ever. I can't go that far. And I've said this before, I, there's no way in the world, I love my son, I love my daughters, there's no way in the world if I were to sacrifice, if one of them's, their lives could be sacrificed to save the entire planet, the entire planet, see you later. I am not going to give up any of my children to save anybody. But Jesus came because God sent his own son to die for the entire world. God so loved us that he would do that for us. That is a love I cannot comprehend, but that is definitely a love I can receive. Amen. 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 And we receive that, that, that dynamic, unconditional love and that while we were yet sinners, God demonstrated that love and sent Jesus to us. Aren't you grateful to yeah. God tonight for his love that covers a multitude of sins, for his perfect love that casts out all fear. Hallelujah. And there is no fear in love, and God is love. Hallelujah. So there's no fear in God. Amen. Amen. He longs to have a, a relationship and to commune with us on a daily basis. And he's shown us, he communicates to us through his word. As, as much as I love the prophetic, as much as I love the gifts of the Spirit and all those wonderful things, we have a more sure word called the Bible than all of those things. I mean, even Peter said it. He said, we heard a voice thundering out at us on that holy mountain where Jesus was transfigured. They saw him in all of his glory, and that's, that voice said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him, right? But Peter said, we even have a more sure word than that. How does it get more sure than a voice thundering out of the clouds at you? Because, because God's not the only one who has a voice. Your enemy has a voice too. And the Bible says that he can... He can, he can uh, uh, disguise himself to be an angel of light. And let me tell you something, the devil can sound real convincing, can't he? He can, he can make it sound like that's the right thing to do, but only to find out that it's not the right thing to do, right? So we have to weigh all voices that we hear with the book, right. all right? That's why everything has to rise and fall on this book, not voices, the Bible, right? So, and I, and I love that, you know, God speaks to us, but Ultimately, he speaks to us through his word, and he's not ever going to go contradictory to his word, ever. He lifts his word even above his own name, the Bible says. 
even above his own name, because God knows if his word is no good, then his name is no good. So he exalts his word high. And the Bible says that forever, the, the, David said, forever, O Lord, your word is settled where? The word of God is settled where? In heaven. See, that's why there's no sickness in heaven, because the word of God is settled there. That's why there's no poverty in heaven, because the word of God is settled there. That's why there's no aches and pains there, because the word of God is settled there. That's why there's no death there, because the word of God is settled there forever. So it's his word and his will are unhindered. <laughs> Hallelujah. And Jesus gave us this incredible prayer to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. How? As it is in heaven. Woo. That's why we can believe for healing. That's why we can believe for prosperity. That's why we can believe for all these good things that God has for us to pray for it here on earth. Why in the world will we pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? So that we can see the goodness of God uninhibited. Hallelujah. His power demonstrated in the earth. Amen. So we have to, as his children, settle the word in our hearts so that we can settle it here on earth. Amen. And in the mouths of two or three witnesses, the Bible says, a thing is established. Glory to God. So God speaks. God speaks. Jesus told us like this. I will get to Ephesians. I haven't forgotten. God speaks. The Father. Jesus said, I only say what the Father says to say. I only do what the Father says to do. So Jesus receives information from the Father, doesn't he? And then he does and he says what the Father says and what the Father does. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen who? But then he even told his disciples over in John, he said, I'm going to send a helper, the comforter, and I have to go so he can come. And when he comes, he's going to tell you what I tell him. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. In the mouths of two or three witnesses, a thing is established. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This is really powerful. And when it comes to you, and you come into agreement with that, it's done. It's done. You and God are partners to establish His Word in the earth. All right. Now, Ephesians chapter 2, I believe, now, you guys are going to have to, uh, we're going we're to start, let's just start in verse 7, all right? Um, I think we went through 6 last time. Does anybody remember? Raise us up together to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We did talk about that. All right, verse 7. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. How how rich and how deep is this grace of God? I mean, we, we, we seem to receive it at such abundance right now that where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, right? The grace of God comes to our life. The grace of God teaches us, you know, according to Titus chapter 2, it says teaching, te- the grace of God has appeared to all men, right? Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly in, the, in, in, in this present world. So, and, and it's also, uh, Hebrews chapter 12 says, let us have grace that we may live acceptably before God. But here it says, in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. Wow. 
Well, I think we're really just here, just, we just have a, a scratch-the-surface kind of understanding about the grace of God where we are right now. It's just, we can't even wrap our minds around this in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And all of the riches of God's grace are found in that man, Jesus Christ. Woo! That God-man. He is God and he is man. I love that Jesus, the Bible says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And then later on in that same chapter, John chapter 1, I know I'm giving you a bunch of scriptures here. It says that the Word became what? Flesh and dwelt among us. And it was perfectly good with Jesus that when he ascended up in heaven that he didn't turn back into the Word, but he stayed a man. I love that. Because he did that for us, because as long as there's a man seated at the right hand of the throne of God, all men have access to God. He is our representation. He is our high priest. They're seated by the right hand of the throne of God. And as long as Jesus Christ is there, ladies and gentlemen, you and I have access to the Father. Amen. He stayed a man. He became a man. He stayed a man so that when you became a child of God, you would stay a child of God. Amen. Okay. I'm not very excited about this, as you can tell. All right, verse 8. For by grace, for by grace you have been saved. How? Through faith. Now, remember we talked about this. Grace is God's gift to us. Faith is our response to his grace. Faith from us, grace from him. And when they meet, a whole new life happens. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So there is no man that can say that I'm going to heaven because I did so good. I'm going to heaven because I lived so right. I live, I'm going to heaven because I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, and I didn't chew, and I didn't dance with the girls that do, Right? That ain't going to give you access to heaven. Now, that might give you a good life on earth by avoiding those things, but that, that has nothing to do with your position with God. Amen. Jesus Christ is the one who made us alive. He made us alive. We could, a dead man can't resurrect himself. Amen. God had to raise us up into newness of life. Yeah. Now, yeah, this says, I love this, for we are his workmanship created or his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good work. You've been created for something. You realize that? All right. Created for something. That is for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, I want to just say something about this phrase that we should walk in them. The word should kind of denotes that we instigate the good works. The word should instigates that we, or denotes, I should say, that we instigate the good works, and that really isn't the case. We don't instigate the good works. God made us for good works. All right? He's the one that instigated it. It's, it's not the case here because God created us for that, that we walk in them. The word should is actually not even in the Greek there. It, it actually says he created us uh, in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before that we walk in them. This is all God's working is what I want us to all understand. This is all God's working. And if we, if we dumb it down to say you should do good things, you should do good works, right? Rather than, hang on a second, you are his workmanship. See, if we can get people understanding who they are, then they'll do what they do. 
That'll, that'll, it's like if I showed up and I love Ford pickups. And if I showed up at the Ford factory, standing at the end of the assembly line where a beautiful Ford F-150 came off the, the assembly line right at the very end, all the, everything's been put together and it's fully assembled and ready to go. If I walked over that truck and I started telling it, you know what, you should do what a Ford F-150 should do. You need to be a Ford. That's what you need to do. That's stupid, right? It, why? Because it's already created for that. Yeah. It's already created for that. All I got to do is get in the thing and experience what it was made for. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. See, you, God expects that you'll do good works because that's what he created you for. He's not, he, he manufactured you in such a way, hallelujah, that it ain't something that you need to be told you need to do. You just walk in it. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Because that's what he already prepared you to do. And it's not so much that you should. It's more about this is who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And when you know who you are, then you will do what you do. Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 2 for just a moment. And we'll continue in this thought for just a second. He created us unto good works. See, because it's important that we understand, yeah, we should do good works. <clears throat> We should do good works, but I'm not here to, to beat that over you. I'm here to help you see who you are, that you're created for those things, all right? A tree is known by its fruit, but also fruit is known by its... But in a great house, everybody say a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Continue. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, let me just stop for just a second for all of you Calvinists that might be here in the room tonight. Let's go back for just a moment. <clears throat> in the great house, there are not only vessels of gold, but also of wood and clay for some, some for honor, some for dishonor. Now, a Calvinist would say, see, God made some to be for dishonor, and God made some to be for honor. But that is not what the Scripture says. Because the next verse says, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter. <laughs> Those guys that are for dishonor did that by their own choosing. Yep. Yeah. Amen. Amen. From the, he will be a vessel for honor. So you can go from dishonor to honor. Yeah. Right? How? By cleansing yourself from the latter. Sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. See, God prepares you for good work, but there's also a preparation in you for good work, all right? And what that pre preparation has to do with what you are choosing in this life. If he, if he cleanses in it, well, how in the world do we cleanse ourselves? I thought we needed Jesus to cleanse us. Yeah, we do. And the Spirit, that is, that is a fact. But we, we cleanse ourselves by renewing our minds, this is a daily life of repentance. Repentance just means to change your mind. Get out of that old funky thinking and keep your mind set on things above. Set your mind on things. The Bible says put on the mind of Christ, right? That you have to make a choice to think right so that you'll live right because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Amen. So this is, this is how you cleanse yourself from those dead works, from the things that don't matter, from the things that would distract you. Paul said it like, or whoever wrote Hebrews, ultimately the Holy Spirit did, said, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us, and let us run the race that's set before us, all right? So this teaches us here, <coughs> excuse me, I want, you, I want to just slow this down for just a moment and help everybody see that 
all of these vessels are in the great house. So they already all belong to the master. Boy, this is good. They already all belong to the master, but some have made themselves useful and some have not. Okay? But they're all his. But all can be useful by what this teaches us. The reason that some are not is because they simply just haven't availed themselves to the master's use. They are all vessels, and that is the key. And they, if, that's the, if that's the case then, then they all serve a purpose. See, a vessel is to be poured into so that it can be poured out of. Are you getting this? A vessel has to, that's what the vessel's for. To put things in it and to pour things out of it. All right? It's a a conduit, if you will, (laughs) of receiving from the master and then giving for the master. Receiving from the master and giving for the master. The fact that we are all vessels lets us all in this room tonight know that we have a purpose. Right? We are all vessels. Hallelujah. And, and we understand that our lives, at that, with that understanding, we understand that we're, our lives aren't our own then. If we're a vessel, then we don't own ourselves because we're only useful in somebody else's hands. We cannot function as a vessel of honor until we are in the master's hands. See, have you ever seen a a, a pitcher of water just pour itself into, out of itself into a glass of water? No, someone had to pick it up and pour. Yeah. Hmm. Someone had to use it. Someone had to pick it up before its purpose could be accomplished. So we make ourselves useful for the master. What we're saying is, Father, anytime, any place, anywhere, you can use me. I'm going to live my life in such a way and make the kind of choices that anytime you need to pick me up and pour out, I'm there. I'm ready. I'm not going to get dirty. I'm not going to, get, I'm not going to let you look at me and go, nah, I put him on the shelf. I don't want to be put on the shelf. I want to be in your hand all the time. Anytime that you call, I want to be ready. Come on, can I get a good amen tonight? That we're ready for the master, that we're useful for him, right? Because we're prepared for this very thing. Now, we have to prepare here for it. Amen. When you walk by faith, this is how you do it. When you walk by faith, and I love the way the message, I'm not the message, the, uh, uh, help me, Tawana, Amplified, the Amplified version says that to have faith is to trust in, cling to, and rely on. Trust in, cling to, and rely on. You understand that apart from him, you really can do nothing. Hmm. Because he made you. He prepared you. He planned you for his purposes. And all you have to do is be ready. Now, let's go back over to Ephesians. Does that help you tonight? Ephesians chapter 2, and let's look at verse 11. Okay, it says, Therefore remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, this phrase here is what gets me, having no hope 
and without God in the world. Well, that's a rough place to be. No covenant, no promise, no hope. Right? This is what we were. How? Without Christ. This is where we were. God only smiled upon a small group of people known as Israel. And even when Jesus Christ came, he said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. His ministry, his teaching was to the Jews, period. Once in a while, a Gentile would get in on it simply by faith. But they weren't welcome. They had no rights to it other than that. But see, we're learning something about God that he cannot resist faith. He, it's like a kid in a candy store, man. If, <laughs> if faith is there, God says, yeah. He always responds to faith. And so people that were on the outside were able to receive what was on the inside by faith. Aren't you grateful to that? That's how you got on the inside because you believed in that grace and now you've been saved. All right? So that's what Jesus' ministry was, was, was here for. But his blood and his sacrifice was for all mankind. And that was yet to be known a little bit later on. Even the disciples at the time didn't understand that he died for the entire world. When he would say things the world, they, in, the, in their minds, they thought the Jewish world. They didn't know planet Earth, every soul on planet Earth, every man, every tribe, every race, every tongue, every nation. He didn't, they didn't realize that, and that did not become revealed until Acts chapter 10 when Peter shows up at Cornelius' house. It was, the, it was a new revelation for all these guys that God was here for the entire world, not just for the entire Jewish world. It's powerful. So we were without hope. Without God. No hope without God. Now, I was talking to the staff about this yesterday. I want you to take your Bible and turn over to Psalm chapter 9 for just a moment. And I'm going to be talking about this in a few weeks, probably on a Sunday morning. But this this really gripped me the other day. I've been walking back through the book of Psalms. And um, verse 17 says, The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Now, the word hell here, I looked looked up the, the... the Hebrew word here, and it's Sheol, all right? And Sheol has lots of definitions to it, and I'll read some of those things to you. But one thing that really gripped me, and it just kind of ties into what this Ephesians says, having no hope and without God in the world. And it says, the underworld, the grave, hell, uh, pit, the Old Testament designation for the abode of the dead, place of no return. Now, this is what gets me. Without praise of God. When I read that, man, I, I just started to weep. That there is a place, ladies and gentlemen, where God gets no praise. There is a place where there is no praise. Can you imagine that? We can't, even, we can't even fathom that. There's this deep darkness where God gets no glory without praise of God. No man should go there. Nobody should be there because we are created in his image to return praise to him. Think about this. God didn't create hell for men, as a matter of fact. The Bible says he created it for the devil and his angels. So men who don't belong there choose to go there by rejecting God. People say God wouldn't send, no loving God would send people to hell. No, they send themselves there. They just reject him. God wants everybody in heaven. 
It's his, it's his wish that none would perish, but all would come to repentance or all would come to salvation. All. So he created something. Think about this for a moment. He created something where he could get no glory, where he would get no praise. And as I thought about that, I said, oh, God, I don't ever want to do anything where you don't get any praise. I don't ever want to make a choice where, you, where, where there's an absence of glory. Where there, I, let every word that comes out of my mouth, every action that I take, God be praised. God be praised. God be glorified. You deserve all of the glory. You're worthy of all of it. Knowing that there's a vacuum out there where he gets nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, why don't we just be more vigilant to give him praise? Matter of fact, let's just do it right now. Why don't you lift your voice and give our mighty God praise and glory and honor. For he is worthy of all of it. He is good. God, you are good. Your name is above every name. We magnify you. We bless you, God. We thank you, Father God, that you saved us. Thank you, God, that you healed us. Thank you that you delivered us. Us. Thank you that Jesus Christ made everything change for us. He changed everything. Hallelujah. Everything, all the sin, all of our sin was on him. And praise God, all the blessing came on us. Father, we thank you for that. Thank you for your grace, your great grace, God, your abundant grace. Thank you, Lord, that you called us into this marvelous light, the kingdom of your dear son. Thank you, God, that you called us the church of the living God. Thank you that you've made us the head and not the tail. Thank you. Father God, that you've transformed us into a whole new reality. Woo! Made us alive. Made us sit together in heavenly places with Christ. Gave us a whole new life. Praise be to God forevermore. And I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, that praise is directly tied to hope. All right? Praise is directly to, this says, without hope, no hope, and without God. The moment you feel that hopelessness, that's the moment to open your mouth and praise him. Remember, David taught us that in the Psalms. Every once in a while, he would say this. He would say, why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, I will yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. Hallelujah. Hope in God, I will yet praise him. See how connected they are, hope and praise. Hope and praise. Paul and Silas in that jail in a hopeless situation at midnight in chains beat up, but the Bible says they started praising God and hope came. Hallelujah. And the jail opened up and they walked out of their free men. Hallelujah. But in Christ, we are with God and we have hope. Matter of fact, He is our hope. The Bible says this hope we have as an anchor of the soul. This hope doesn't come and go. This isn't some fleeting expectation and a roll the dice, seven come 11, right? No, no, this is a man. He is the substance of all hope. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. If there's no praise of God, there's no hope for mankind. Verse 13, but now, everybody say, but now. In Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Glory to God. See, his blood completely erased that long distance, that chasm or that great gulf that separated us from God. His blood just brought us right near to God. His blood so thoroughly washed away our sins and made us so righteous and so holy that we could have a face and 
face-to-face encounter with God Almighty and survive the event. Hallelujah. That's why the Bible says we come boldly before the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Oh, man, I love that about God. He doesn't tell his children to cower before him and show us how sorry we show him how sorry we are and how lowly we are and how humble we are, right? right. How many these and thous we can say in our prayers. No, what does he do? He says, "Come boldly before the throne of grace. Act like you own the place. I'm your father. You come into my house freely." Because of that blood that brought you right near. Hallelujah. Come freely, come boldly before the throne of grace. May obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God, help us to get that mentality all the time, to get past our feelings, to get past our regrets, to get past the hurts and the pains so that we can just accept what God says with with an open, free heart. See, he puts it out there. We're the ones who put the stipulations on stuff. We're the ones that put the yow butts on it. Right? He says, come boldly. And we go, yeah, but. He says, speak to this mountain. Whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them, you'll have them. Well, I, I can't just ask for anything. Well, did you hear what Jesus just said, numbskull? He just said, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe it. Yeah, but you just can't do anything. Well, yeah, but, yeah, but. Right? I mean, we just start putting the lid on it, right? We want to contain this truth. Yeah. <laughs> this liberating, freeing truth. We got to put stipulations on it, conditions, yeah. caveats. Right? What do we do with these, with these astronomical phrases that Jesus puts out, but the Word of God says? We just believe it. We just be crazy enough to believe it. And the moment people say you're out of your mind, that's when you say, thank you for noticing. I am out of my mind. I've got the mind of Christ now. I don't think like I used to. I think like he thinks. Hallelujah. I'm glad you said that. Thank you. That's a compliment. I'm free from my mind. That blood translated us right into a kingdom of light. We had no business. We had no position. We had no right to any blessing or any benefit from God. But now we have full access to all of his goodness. And the Bible says that he has given us richly all things to enjoy. I want to read the lyrics to a song that really ministers to me by a little band called Leland. And the name of the song is Carried to the Table. I want you to just hear this. This is really powerful. Wounded and forsaken, I was shattered by the fall. Broken and forgotten, feeling lost and all alone. Summoned by the king into the master's courts. Lifted by the Savior and cradled in his arms. I was carried to the table. Seated where I don't belong. Carried to the table. Swept away by his love. And I don't see my brokenness anymore when I'm seated at the table of the Lord. 
I'm carried to the table, the table of the Lord. Fighting thoughts of fear, wondering why he called my name. Am I good enough to share this cup? This world has left me lame. And even in my weakness, the Savior called my name. In his holy presence, I am healed and unashamed. I was carried to the table, seated where I don't belong, carried to the table, swept away by his love. And I don't see my brokenness anymore when I'm seated at the table of the Lord. See, what I love about this is that he took us and seated us. He made us alive, and then he made us sit down. He sat us at his table of abundant blessings. He sat us at a table. The psalmist said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Feasting in front of all your enemies. He seats you there, and there's nothing they can do about it. Sometimes we want to get up from that table and try to fight on our own. Sometimes we've, we feel like we should do something instead of resting in, in his supply. Yeah, but I, yeah, 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 but I got to fight. I, oh. I mean, I, he, remember, I've talked to you about this before. And when I was a kid, it was all about spiritual warfare. And we're just, clang, clang, clang. we're all fighting, 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 fighting. And yeah, we do fight, but we fight not like that. We fight. Seated at a table. (sighs) Hallelujah. The Bible says that we put on the armor of God. It's his armor. It's not our armor. The shield of faith. That is, we believe God. We believe in this position that we're seated in. We believe that he elevated us all the way up there by Christ. Even though we didn't deserve it. Not going to get caught up in that. Just going to accept what he did. Sit here. And believe him. And in so doing, it puts this shield around me. Hallelujah. And I say what he says. Ah, yeah, there's healing. There's blessing. Oh, this is powerful. Seats us there. Can you see yourself there at that table? You see yourself there? Because that's where you're whole. That's where you're healed. That's where you're right. That's where you belong now. Glory to God. Father, thank you. Thank you that you've brought us to your banqueting table. And your banner over us is love. Thank you that our enemies are utterly defeated because Jesus Christ was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. And you call us to a feast, to feast on you, to feast on your provision, to feast on your grace, to rest in you. Father, there are some here tonight who are uneasy. There are some here tonight, God, who are in pain. There are some here tonight who are confused. There are some here tonight who need help. And Father, all that you have, you have at this table. And may they take their seat and rest in you tonight. Tonight, rest in him. Let God be God. Let him take that burden 
He said, as a matter of fact, cast it on me. I care for you. Sit down and enjoy the good things that I have for you. Hallelujah. Enjoy what the blood bought. Enjoy what is yours as a child in the Father's house. What's God's is yours now. You don't have to earn it because Jesus earned it for you. The only proper response for you from you is to receive it. Is to receive it. To receive it. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church. 